Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Deeper Daily Podcast. It's the 19th day of December, and I'm Paul, and I'm so happy you're with me. We are starting the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke today, and we are, of course, just days away now from Christmas here in 2023. Uh, I hope you're following along with our Advent journey that we've been posting uh, on our midweek sermons and uh, most of our, or I'm sorry, on our weekend sermons, most of our midweek sermons. We broke away from that last week, uh, but uh, for the most part, trying to concentrate on this season of waiting as we head into the Christmas season. And once we are, and we'll, we'll probably break away here on the DDP for at least for Christmas Day, maybe for Christmas Eve, and of course talk about that holiday, that most special holiday for Christians. One of the few holidays that uh, Christianity and the American culture and pretty much the world culture shares is, is Christmas and Easter. Uh, but particularly Christmas, and I know there's been a co-opting of that. We'll talk all, a lot about that on, on the 24th and 25th. But outside of that, we're going to work on Luke chapter 6. I know based upon pacing that we're not going to be finished when it comes time for the end of the month, and New Year's Eve will bring an essay for the month of December, and I'm quite sure it's going to happen somewhere inside of the 6th chapter. And that's great because the 6th chapter of Luke is going to give us the Sermon on the Plains, the, the the level place. Is it different than the Sermon on the Mount? Um, well, it contains much of the same stuff, and it's quite possible that it's the same sermon, but it's also quite possible that Jesus is mastering the same material in different places. I'm a little ahead of myself there, but I'm just letting you know that's what's coming up in chapter 6 and what you can expect this month. Let's see how far we can get today, beginning in Luke chapter 6, verse 1, on a Sabbath. While he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. Let's talk Sabbath for just a second. Um, well, let's start with plucked and ate some heads of grain, because this is a this is permitted in the law. Deuteronomy 23-25, they can do this as far as uh, plucking and and eating heads of grain from a public field. That's allowed. That's allowed. This is not theft. But the fact that it's being done on the Sabbath, the Pharisees see that as unlawful. Well, that leads us to a discussion on the Sabbath. And the principal source of controversy between Jesus and the Pharisees was how one should treat the Sabbath day. Of all of the things that Jesus does, that they disagree with, that they take him to task with. And I think there's a lot of things that probably push them over the edge. The thing that is in the the column of grievances the most, that keeps coming up over and over again, is how Jesus and then how his disciples conduct themselves on the Sabbath. The Pharisees hedged the Sabbath day with, with regulations, and not just regulations, but repressive regulations in how people were to conduct themselves, where they were to go, how far they could leave their house, how many steps they could take. But they did this not to be repressive. This is so vital to get. They didn't do it because they were cold-hearted. They they thought, oh, people are wicked and we need to control their movements. 
They did it to avoid the very possibility of breaking the Sabbath. They took the Sabbath so serious that they were afraid of taking a chance. You hear me say things like the book of Hebrews is written to Christians coming out of Judaism who are guilty of hedging their bets by offering a lamb sacrifice and accepting Jesus. And so what I mean by hedging their bets is, well, what would it hurt just in case? And I've told you before that Hebrews makes the argument that you can't do that because in order to go back to the blood of a lamb, you've got to step on the blood of the lamb, capital L. And so you can't mingle the two. Well, and and maybe in a way that's old old wineskins, new wine, old patches, old garments and new patches, like we talked about the last couple of days. Well, the Pharisees were very similar. They were hedging their bets about keeping the Sabbath holy by doing nothing, saying, there's no way we can break this if we just do nothing. And so essentially the day of rest, the day of Sabbath, became a day of restrictive and repressive Repressive restrictions, or let's say it this way. The day of rest was best understood as a day you do nothing, which causes us to think in some ways that rest equals do nothing. In Hebrews 4, when it tells us that we should labor to enter into his rest, that we would rest from our works the way that he rested from his A lot of times we take that to mean that if we could enter a place of rest, we wouldn't do anything. But God, while he's at rest on day seven, is certainly not guilty of doing nothing. It's just that what he is doing comes from a place of rest. And so Jesus doesn't really argue against the specific regulations of the Pharisees. You don't see Jesus making fun of all of their restrictions. But what Jesus does is he understands the Sabbath to be a day in which one does good deeds. So you heal the sick and you feed the hungry. Jesus' definition, of course, he's Jesus. He's the express image of the Father, is showing us that my Father never intended you to do nothing. He intended you to do good. He intended for you to show forth his love. And so that tells me this. If the Pharisees' definition of the Sabbath is rest equals do nothing, and Jesus' definition of the Sabbath is rest equals do good, then rest is not inactivity. Rest is Holy Spirit-directed activity. And Holy Spirit-directed activity is going to be for the good of man, not for the wicked. Now, I want to I show Jesus' response And we'll do that tomorrow because I talked a lot about Sabbath, but we'll take care of that tomorrow. God bless.